Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Coming up on Studios America, Tim Barton from Wall Builders joins to remind us that, you know, hey, America still kicks ass, and we should remember that every once in a while. Andrew Cuomo has an official sex crime complaint filed against him in New York. Could he possibly be arrested? Huh. And Joe Biden revealed the new framework for his social structure bill today. Ugh. It's a massive improvement, though, over... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sorry, it's not a massive improvement over anything. Let's do Building Back Worse. Stu does America. There was a uh, scene in the documentary film, The Matrix, in which they kind of zoom back out and you realize they're fueling this entire planet and the society on these human bodies living in pods. And that's the kind of human infrastructure we could all get behind. The crap that Joe Biden is trying to do right now. Ugh. I mean, what a disaster this thing is. This reconciliation bill, which is initially was pitched at six trillion dollars by Bernie Sanders, then was uh, down to three point five trillion when it was officially rolled out. And now it looks like it's going to be something like one point seven five or one point eight five trillion dollars. There is, especially I think in this audience, a tendency to look at the number and focus on the number, which normally is 100% the right thing to do. But in this particular case, it's not all that valuable because here's the thing, the, the, the price tag is just not that relevant. First of all, they're telling you it costs $0, so I don't know what to believe. But uh, more importantly is all of the structure built into this. Social structure is actually a nice way of phrasing this because that's exactly what they're doing here. Many of these programs are being rolled out in a way that acts as if they're going to stop in the near future. You know, uh, one of these big bills, they'll roll it out for one year and then they'll say, oh, well, we're just going to stop it at one year so they can save 90 percent of the cost on the final price tag. When in reality, they're just going to get renewed every single year and you're going to wind up spending that money anyway. These are the tricks of the trade. And we're going to go through some of those today. The Biden uh, speech that happened today was, as you'd expect, just absolutely terrible in every single way. And that's honestly being too kind to it. Um, he kind of goes over the his belief as to what just occurred here with this framework deal uh, going through. Let me give you the Joe Biden outline. We spent hours and hours and hours over months and months working on this. No one got everything they wanted, including me. But that's what compromise is. That's consensus. You're going to be surprised to hear that is not what consensus is. Consensus definitely is not exactly 50 senators out of 100 and losing every single member of the op opposite party and going months and months and months just to get to the point where you can get your own party on board for your own bill. There's still no official statement from either Manchin or Cinema saying they're going to go along with this, though the indications are there that they seem to be friendly to it. Obviously, we're now going into a period where we have months and months possibly of writing the specific text for the bill, 
which of course, as you know, can be really, really important. What's amazing, though, is, is this vision that Joe Biden has of this country. What makes America great? What is the reason why we grew into this giant superpower and the envy of the world? Why did that happen? What were the elements in that? You know, what were the ingredients in that recipe? Here's Joe. We face an inflection point as a nation. For most of the 20th century, we led the world by a significant margin because we invested in our people, not only in our roads and our highways and our bridges, but in our people and our families. We didn't just build an interstate highway system. We built a highway to the sky. A what? We invested to win the space race, and we won. Mm. We're also among the first to provide access to free education for all Americans, beginning back in the late 1800s. So we're going to go with Tim Barton here in a little bit, going through the actual history of this country. But think about this weird vision of what America is and why it's great. I took some notes here. He said, what makes us great is because we invest in roads, highways, bridges, and a highway to the sky, which I don't know where that is. If you guys see the highway to the sky, please, please let me know. The space race, which again was, is an interesting moment, obviously a, 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 a proud moment for the country. Um, but would I say what America, make America, what makes America great is because we went to the moon or we won the space race? I mean, no. And free education. So what, what is great about this country is public roads, the space race and education that's free. Public education, which we all are seeing the results of. I mean, haven't we been making fun of public schools for a really long time? And now with all the CRT and all the craziness in there, we learn the problems with public education. It's not the thing that made us great. Our schools are not the thing that made America great. Our roads are not the thing that made America great. Our highways to the sky are not the thing that made America great. Um, but as he went through uh, this bill, he laid out a lot of the different parts of it. And this is one of the things that's really key to understanding what this bill means, why they're so passionate about it, and what it actually does. We've also extended historic middle-class tax cut. That's what I call it. Oh, middle tax, tax cut for parents. That's what I call it? What? That is the expanded child tax credit we mm. passed through the American Rescue Plan. What that means is, for folks at home, they're getting $300 a month for every child under the age of six, $250 for every child under the age of 18. We're extending that for another year. The money is already a life changer for so many working families. <laughs> We're extending that for another year. We're extending that for another year. It's that's actually so he says that so under his breath. That's not even in the official transcript. We're extending that for another year. This is the thing. The, of course, progressives have wanted this plan forever. What is this plan? This plan is universal basic income for parents. That's what it is. It's Andrew Yang's plan, except if you have kids. They're going to send you $300 a month, which, by the way, they're already doing this for many, many families, or $250 a month for kids over the age of six. So you might have four kids. You could be getting two grand a month from the government, right? So look, everybody likes getting free money. People like it. It's a popular policy because of that reason. Um, but this is a policy that was, we were told, a crazy measure that had to be done because of COVID. And as we said at the time, we said it on this show, there's no way this thing goes away at the end of the year. Well, guess what? 
Here it is in the bill, not going away. They're going to extend it for another year. And this is what I talked about sort of at the top that in the Bernie Sanders version or the initial pitched version at 3.5 trillion, this is just an ongoing bill until the end of time. So they give you 10 years of cost. It costs all this money and you just embrace it. This this bill, the the, the mansion cinema sort of edits of this bill, make it so they only extend that bill for one year. So only one tenth of the cost is in the bill. It looks like you're saving money, but they're only lowering that money because they're actually only telling you the program's going to last for a year. But guess what happens next year? They renew it again. That is what's going to happen. It's going to be in the middle of a uh, of an election year, and you can bet that they're going to at least give some uh, some part of this uh, to be renewed. One of the reasons why they're only doing it for a year is so they can come to you next year and say, these Republicans want to take your thousands of dollars you're getting every month away from you. They want you to be used to it so that when Republicans say, hey, we can't keep doing this COVID emergency plan any longer, they can say, these guys are trying to take $20,000 a year out of the pockets of working families. Now, of course, most of this already existed in a tax credit anyway, but they want to make it seem like more of a payment. If you thought, think of it this way, they, it's like you, people criticize Donald Trump for this. When he would send out uh, these rebate checks, he would want his name to be on it. He wanted a check that said Donald Trump at the bottom, and that's not, a, not a, exactly a huge surprise. This is a version of that, though, taken to the billionth degree. They want credit. They want the government to be your sugar daddy. The government's delivering checks to you every month, and they want you to get used to it. Think about a a family that is on welfare and does get a check every month from the government. That becomes their lifeline. It's part of, of of the way they get through the month. They want you, middle-class worker making $75,000 a year, to have that same sort of feeling toward the government. They are there for me. They are there to, to, to help me through the year. They are there to coddle my every need. And d- that dependency creates all sorts of problems throughout your society. And that's what they want. They want that to happen because then you are dependent on them. That is the society they want to structure, the social structure that they want. Um, There's a little bit more on the child tax uh, write-off. Let's listen into Joe Biden. If you paid taxes and had a good income, you could deduct under the tax code $2,000 per child from the taxes you owed. But how many families do you know, a cashier, waiters, healthcare workers, who never got the benefit of the full tax break because they didn't have that much to deduct. Let's stop it there because I, you know, I'm, I'm ranting too long on the child tax credit, but that is him admitting it's universal basic income, right? It's not a tax credit. Don't call it, a, it's not a tax break. When, you're, when someone pays $0 in taxes and you hand them $2,000 or more per year, that's just a giveaway. That's just basic income to people who have kids. And guess what? This is going to go on for a while, and then we're going to have the same sort. Eventually, the Democrats will get control again, and then they'll bring up, well, why don't single parents get this? Why doesn't everybody get this? Eventually, they'll be pushing this on everybody. And to to opt out of it is a a catastrophe. It's impossible. Um, All right, let's go on to... 
Let's see. Let's go to this one here. This is on uh, the bipartisan infrastructure bill uh, talking about uh, I mean, some of this stuff is so crazy, but there's this obsession that Joe Biden has with choo choo trains. Watch. And when paired with the bipartisan infrastructure bill, right, will truly transform this nation. Okay. Historic investments in passenger rail. I know everybody says, oh, Biden's a rail guy. That's true. Mm, it is. But passenger rail and freight rail and public transit, it's going to make hundreds of thousands, take hundreds of thousands of vehicles off the road, saving millions of well, barrels it's... of oil. Everybody knows, all the studies show, if you can get from point A to point B on electric rail, you won't drive your car. You'll take the rail service. First of all, have you ever heard anyone say, oh, Biden's a rail guy? I mean, I've heard people say, oh, Biden's an idiot. I've heard people say that. But I've never heard anyone say, oh, Biden's a rail guy. <laughs> but apparently people say that to him all the time. And I want to just get, give you this fact real quick. Everybody knows all the studies show if you can get from point A to point B on electric rail, you won't drive your car. What, what country are you talking about here? What do you mean all the studies show? I, I, I was on, people like driving their cars. Most people would rather drive their car than get on a train next to some sweaty guy. Believe me, I had to ride the train every single day. Do you know what that was like? That was, that was, that, there were days that I got on that train and I smelled things that I will never forget. I will never get the smell out of my nostrils from days I spent on the train. It's just, I mean, look, the train's fine if it exists already. To build new trains in this world when we have these things with wings and propellers and jet engines, it's just ridiculous. Uh, all right, um, he went on as well to talk about electric vehicles, of course. That always has to be part of this. Let's listen into Joe. Every day, more than 25 million children and thousands of bus drivers breathe polluted air on the way to and from school from the diesel exhaust. You should definitely We're going to replace thousands exhaust. of these with electric school buses that have big batteries underneath it and they are good for the climate. Sounds they great. do not expend any they, they, they not do, expend any pollution into the air. Oh. We'll build out the first ever national network of 500,000 electric vehicle charging stations all across the country. So when you buy an electric vehicle and you get credit for buying it, you buy an electric vehicle, you can go all the way across America on a single tank of gas, figuratively speaking. It's not gas. What? It's not? God, this guy's such a... Figuratively speaking, it's not, it's not gas. What do you mean you go across with one tank of gas? That would, it, I, that would make it sound like you just can make it across the country 3,000 miles without filling up, which, by the way, is a half an hour of stopping to recharge your electric car. They're going to put uh, 500,000 500, electric vehicle uh, chargers around the country. Um, but remember, that's not gas. You got you to remember that. This is the thing when you look at this overall sort of beginning to end. The word credit is really important here. We talk a lot about these sort of social credit score in China. That's coming here, basically, in, a, in the version of ESG and other measures. But when he talks about credit here, when it's the child cr tax credit, it's a payment, right? It's the same thing with electric cars. They're, they're paying you to buy them. No one buys them when you don't pay them to buy them. Buying them is difficult. It's a pain. You have to deal with the infrastructure that's not there. They say they're going to build that infrastructure. You know, good luck. 
Good luck with that because they, you, you see how competent they are building everything else. There's nothing here that's built back better. It's built back worse. And Joe Biden came out today and argued to spend another $1.8 trillion of your money on his ridiculous programs. Programs that clearly will, will not work and will not pay for themselves. Maybe tomorrow we'll go into the other side of this. We know the cost. We know the structure that's being built. How are they going to pay for it? Well, they're going to pay for it on the backs of lies. And we have all of that documented. We'll go through that tomorrow. Built Bar is the way to actually build back better. You can build your health back better. It's not like uh, Joe Biden's version of it. These things actually taste good. Can you imagine if the government started making protein bars, what those things would taste like? They used to make fun of government cheese because everyone re recognized when the government makes things, they can even screw up cheese. Well, protein bars have been screwed up by, honestly, pretty much everybody. Most of them are not very, uh, very, very delicious. However, Built Bar was able to break that cycle. They have great flavors like coconut, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, cookies and cream, and more. They're great for a snack. Chill them in your fridge, maybe. That's how my wife always eats them. Or you can have them as a meal replacement. Uh, it's a great breakfast. Uh, 18 grams of protein, 180 calories or less. Great to get you started during the day. Only four to five grams of sugar and only four to five net carbs. You wouldn't know that by tasting them because they actually taste good. They don't taste like government food. They taste like private sector food. Built.com. Use the promo code Stu15. Save 15% off your first order. The promo code is Stu15 for 15% off at Built.com. It's Built.com. Happy to welcome Tim Barton into the studio. He's the president of Wall Builders and author of The American Story, The Beginnings. Tim, thanks so much for coming on. I Steve, appreciate it. Glad to be here. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. We saw you at Mercury One. It was a very cool event uh, just a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and you always come come through with the best information and the best goodies, which we have some today. It's going to be a lot of fun to see. Um, I want to start here though with uh, with New York City. We were told these Confederate statues were getting torn down all across the country. And we, look, oh, these guys. I mean, Confederates—they're traitors. You know right? what I mean? Yeah. Like they're, they're, they did a lot of bad things. And then. We were told this isn't going to spread to our American heroes, our founders. People like Thomas Jefferson are going to be fine. It's, it's a conspiracy theory to think they're going to tear down Thomas Jefferson statues. And then, of course, a few months later, New York City uh, now removing the Jefferson statue. First of all, you had to see this coming, right? There's no doubt. And one of the things that, I mean, looking now recently at New York taking down Thomas Jefferson, it was not a surprise when you go back and like in Wisconsin on a college campus, students went and defaced a Lincoln Memorial because he <laughs> was also pro-slavery. And you're like, okay, everyone in America is an idiot, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. this is a challenge. It's the only thing to come to when they do that. And right, this is one of the big challenges, though, when you say we're going to remove all of the bad guys. Well, who determines who's a bad guy? Well, it's the racist guys. But now when we live in this subjective world, where words mean nothing yeah. or what sides you're on. Like, they tore down a Frederick Douglass statue in the midst of these riots and protests. Incredible. So the, the history of the story of the actual people mean nothing. So Thomas Jefferson's a great example because we're told, but yeah, he had slaves. Like, hold up for a second. Hard time out and pause because yeah. there's a lot more to that story. His slaves, largely he inherited almost every one of his slaves when he was a child. And the argument would be today, but yeah, but you could free your slaves. Well, in some states, you could. Mm -hmm. Virginia actually passed a law that said if you are in debt, your slaves are collateral until you pay that debt off. Jefferson was in approximately $2.5 million in today's money debt. 
which almost all of it, not only did he inherit his slaves, he also inherited debt when he married his wife. She was an crazy <laughs> That's true love right there. I, you You're had supposed to, really to say no. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> this is where full disclosure coming in, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. student loans, what do you got going on? Yeah. And You're not supposed to get down on the knee until you see the debt report, right? <laughs> you got to see a full credit report before you propose. It, it, it'd be worth knowing something about this, right? <laughs> yeah. So Jefferson, by law, was not allowed to free his slaves in his lifetime until he paid off all the debt. And actually, there's a lot of interesting stories with Jefferson. The reason that he he uh, sold his library to Congress. The very first library of Congress was Thomas Jefferson's library. Mm-hmm. He sold thousands of books to Congress and he was trying to raise money to continue to pay off debts and continue to live his life and raise his daughters and everything else. There's a lot more to the context of the story. So when people just simply look and say, yes, but, but racist, just, this is so weird and nuanced and only a historian would say something this dumb, but I'm gonna say it, right? Mm-hmm. Just because someone owns slaves, doesn't automatically put them in the category of the racist rebel, like get the whip and beat and abuse people that we often think of a slave owner being. Yeah, well, especially when they're legally required uh, to to hold the slaves, which is a, a, obviously a terrible policy. But you go back and you you look at this, and, and you you know you you and your and your dad have gone through this many times. But I, I find it fascinating to see the details because I had no idea, and I don't think anybody knows that really Jefferson. You know, I, I think my, my previous impression was Jefferson was a flawed guy mm-hmm. and he did some great things and he did some really bad things. And you kind of have to m- make a mental separation there to look at him and say, OK, you know, like he's a human being and these were the times. Right. When you realize the truth about the legal status of what he was doing w- with the debt, when you realize what he wrote in the original draft of the Declaration of Independence, your understanding of Thomas Jefferson is totally different. Totally. So, so speaking of that, we have a copy of Jefferson's original draft of the Declaration. Uh, it's some very cool stuff that we have access to uh, with our historic documents. And so when Jefferson died in 1828, they went and compiled all of his writings. And actually, back up, he died 1826. 1828 is when they've compiled all of his writings. Okay. And so one of the things they found in his writings was the original draft of the Declaration. Which, like, finding that gold mine. Amazing. Right, amazing. What's so cool about it is they decided they, they were going to do this reprint of Jefferson's writings, and they wanted to be able to publish some copies of the original draft for people to buy back then. And so that, that edition came out in uh, 1829, which actually we own a couple of those editions, which is where we got this original draft from. Mm. What they did, I mean, document-wise, terrible. We would think back, never do that. They would, they would take a document, blank document, put it on top. They would soak it with a chemical, and they would do an ink lift mm. off of the original. So you're taking actual ink off the original, but right, this is our photocopy back then. That's yeah, not what yeah. they did. That's how they did it. Yeah. And so then from the copy, they would then go and make copies of the copy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where this original draft comes from. And this original draft is four pages. And again, all of it is so cool because it's in Thomas Jefferson's original handwriting. And what's also amazing about it is over on the side margins, you'll see there's there's lines through on areas. And so over here, it actually says almost like a Google Doc who made the edit. Oh, yeah. So over here on the side, that is Dr. Franklin handwritten. Uh, down here is Mr. Adams. I think it's a little funny that it's Dr. <laughs> Franklin and Mr. Adams. <laughs> right? So Jefferson, even back then, a little disagreement. But as you go through this, this is his original draft. And you see United States of America is the only thing fully capitalized on these first pages until you get to the third page. And on the third page, as he's going through the grievances, the longest grievance in the entire original draft of the Declaration is his grievance right here, and it's a grievance against the slave trade. 
And what he says, and I don't need to read the whole thing, um, but it says that he, meaning the king, has waged cruel war against human nature itself, violating his most sacred rights of life and liberty in the persons of distant people who never offended him. So he goes into how the king has supported this African slave trade, going into Africa. But then he comes down here. He says, this beam of infidel powers is the warfare of the Christian king of Great Britain. And everything at this point has been in cursive. Christian, he actually prints. It's a little bolded and it's underlined as mm. if almost a highlight, right? This guy says he's a Christian, but look at what he's doing. Yeah. He continues on, determined to keep open a market where men should be bought and sold. And that men is one of the most significant things in this entire draft because it is the only other word fully capitalized and it is huge and bolded. So Jefferson is talking about these slaves coming out of Africa and says the king has enslaved these men. And this becomes interesting when Jefferson writes in the declaration that all men are created equal. And there are literally professors today on college campuses who say, but he only was talking about white people because this racist man, he would never talk about black people that way. And you're like, wait a second, go read the original draft of the declaration. If we just studied history, we would have such a different opinion because Jefferson actually in the state legislature of Virginia did an anti-slavery law trying to end slavery in Virginia. By 1804, every single northern colony had passed laws for the abolition of slavery. Mm. So by 1804, nowhere else in the world voluntarily had ended slavery anywhere else in the world. England did it three decades after all the northern colonies did it. Jefferson's trying to get Virginia on that same path. Well, it lost by a vote. He then tries to get a, a congressional amendment done. It loses. He, he then as president is the guy who signs the very first ever law banning the slave trade. America's the very first nation to sign a law to ban the slave trade and Jefferson did it. There's a lot more to this guy's story than we know, but because we don't know his story or know that he was anti-slavery, we have no idea. And, and you know, even looking at the, this original draft, people would say today, well then why, why isn't that in the declaration today? Because John Hancock, who was the president of Congress, said we're only gonna put in the declaration what is unanimous. Yeah, right. Because right, if all the colonies don't agree, the king's gonna come in and pick us apart. And Jefferson said that when they went over this section of the draft, there were two colonies that opposed that grievance because Georgia and South Carolina, they said they, they had at this point not tried to, to end the slave trade or end slavery. So they didn't think that needed to be included, but it's worth noting. 11 of the colonies agreed with that grievance. Yeah. The vast majority of America was not in the pro-slavery position, but because we don't study history, we've just lost that perspective today. It really is, and this is why your book is uh, so important, and everybody should have a copy of it. Um, you go through a lot of this in the mm -hmm. book, and, and we, you know, now we're talking so much about schools. We're talking, you see all these videos of people going to the school board, talking about things like CRT. And CRT is this, like, idea, a way of thinking, essentially, yeah. that, that that spits out things like the 1619 Project, right? Where we look at history in a totally different way with totally different eyes. Um, even things going back, like they are now taking books that were true and marking them as fiction. Can you walk us through this? Yeah, so a great example. Um, Up From Slavery was a book done by Booker T. Washington, who unquestionably is an American hero. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people don't know his story today. I would say that this is, if, if you're going to want to learn and study American history, this is in your probably top 10 books you should read right. to know about America, her past, her history. And so you have a guy, Booker T. Washington, who was born into slavery, who is a child when the 13th Amendment is passed. And he remembers that night when there was a, a big party because now the law's finally gone into effect. And so his mom and, and all the people around them are free. He, he walks through the story. But what's crazy is, in this story, he, he doesn't have a victim mentality. And because he doesn't have a victim mentality, that's not very well received in the modern mantra so of the narrative crazy. America. Yeah. Because it's not well received, when you look at the new editions of Up From Slavery, in the front of this new edition, it actually has a section to the reader. And in the section to the reader, it says, this book 
is a work of fiction and any resemblance to any person living or dead in any place, events or occurrences is purely coincidental. I mean, is there any evidence that this is a, a work of fiction? Is it, it, none at all. Now, none and, at all. And one of, one of the arguments could be, right, maybe this publisher is just putting this in the front of all their books to try to cover themselves. Sure, yeah. Right, so, so maybe you're covering yourself, but you, you're going to cover yourself by pretending like Booker T. Washington wasn't a real person and he made this up? <laughs> right, but yeah. that's how you cover yourself? <laughs> that's not a good way. I feel like in the midst of woke culture, right, where we have this Black Lives Matter movement that's been going on for several years, and now we're diminishing the influence of one of these great black American heroes, well, I would want to diminish this guy because so many of the early black heroes in American history don't fit the modern narrative of the victim mentality of critical race theory. Yeah, and I think that's such a bad... That's a, I mean, our foundation was this, right? It was... A, a terrible, difficult time, right? Yes. For so many people, and they overcame it, and that's what built the foundation of this country. And I guess it's no surprise that the people behind things like CRT want to tear that foundation down. They want to make everybody into a victim and go the other way. Well, and this is part of that Marxist ideology where you only have two classes of people, the oppressed and the oppressors, yeah, yeah. right? And so you're gonna follow one of those categories, or you know, the victims or the victors, and, and this is what so often we even, when we learn history, we learn it from the Southern Confederacy perspective all over the nation, right? That America was pro-slavery. Actually, America was not by and large pro-slavery. We just have lost so much of that story. It's an interesting way you put that, the Southern Confederacy's view of the, of the nation. That's what they would want everybody to right. believe, that this country was pro-slavery. That's not that, true at all. That is the narrative being told. But no, mm. so if you look at the Northern states, when we separate from Great Britain, and this, go back to Jefferson's original draft of the Declaration, one of the reasons he wanted to separate was because there were several colonies who had passed anti-slavery laws and the king had vetoed all of those laws. And so like B Pennsylvania, for wow. example, Benjamin Franklin, one of the leaders in Pennsylvania, yes. in 1774, the king vetoed their, their anti-slave trade law in Pennsylvania. So Franklin says, this is one more reason we should separate from Great Britain because they won't even let us in the slave trade in our own colony. Hold up, they were founding fathers like trying to end the slave trade. Yes, one of the really fun examples, this is a lithograph back from the 1790s, early or late 1700s, and this is John Hancock, and this was from an equality ball that was done in Massachusetts. So the, one of the guys who was there, the wealthiest black man in America is a man named Paul Cuff. And how could you have these wealthy black people? Because in the North, they had a respect of the individual and respect of rights, mm. right? There was meritocracy. It wasn't based on the color of someone's skin. And so John Hancock wants to do something to celebrate the unity in Massachusetts, the black and white people coming together. And actually, what's kind of funny is the only reason we really know about this is we found a newspaper written in one of the Southern states who were talking about how foolish John Hancock was <laughs> arguing for the equality of the black and white man. Yeah. But it does tell you something that there was a founding father, noted founding father, John Hancock, right? The leader of the movement when we separate from Great Britain, signer of the declaration. He's a guy promoting the equality of the black and white man. So this notion that America was fundamentally racist or 1619 Project says that we were founded to promote slavery. Incredible. It's just not historically accurate. If we would actually go back and study original documents. Ugh, and they just will not do that. I mean, in your book, you go through a lot of this stuff. We do. Give me one more minute here. We're, we're almost at the end of the time. Um, but another statue that they're trying to tear down was Benjamin Franklin. I mean, he's my favorite founder because I love that he wasn't president. Like, he's just an inventor. He's doing stuff. He's out there doing his own thing. And he was an abolitionist. Yes. Absolutely. Can you give us, an, uh, give us a, a, a quick uh, chunk on Benjamin Franklin and what his view was of, of slavery? So one of my favorite founding fathers as well. I, I think even though one of the better known, one of the most underrated founding yeah, fathers. Yeah, I think so. So incredible of a guy. So Franklin, like many founding fathers, where people say, well, all these founding fathers are racist slave owners. Franklin did actually own slaves. Mm. However, Franklin also did free his slaves. And after Franklin freed his slaves in 1785, 
Franklin actually became the president of the Pennsylvania Abolition Society, or maybe 1787, but he became mm -hmm. the president of the Abolition Society to end slavery around the nation. And the reason that no honest historian considers Franklin a racist is because not only did he free his slaves, not only did he have an abolition society where he became the president of it, even Franklin's treatment of slaves, they were much more as friends and family. Franklin wasn't, a, we, we have this perspective in modern history that, that if you had slaves, you were this terrible, awful, abusive person instead of recognizing at an era where everywhere in the world, like this was a, this was a custom everywhere in the world and it's not a defense of it. No, right? But absolutely when not. This is, when this is a, a normal custom everywhere in the world, the humanity with which you treat the people that are in your household or are your servants, and obviously slaves right in this category, Franklin treated them in a very different category, recognized right. their humanity, freed them, and then leads the movement to free every other slave in America. This is not a racist guy, and that's why no historian considers him racist, even though today he would fall in that category because at one point he did own slaves. Amazing. I mean, there's so much of the stuff in the book. Uh, it's the American story, the beginnings. Uh, it's available now. Make sure to pick it up. David Barton and Tim Barton uh, put it together. You know there's tons and tons of stuff that you did not know in any book written by a Barton. You know that's true. Uh, Tim, thanks so much, man. This is great. Stu, I appreciate it. Thank you. Is Andrew Cuomo going to prison? I mean, he should be going to prison. We can all agree on that. By the way, Andrew Cuomo is awful.com. It's true. It's still true even when he's not governor. There is a uh, now an official complaint that has been filed against Andrew Cuomo. This goes back to not the fact that he killed thousands of uh, senior citizens in nursing homes, but to the fact that uh, he groped a woman Almost on camera, by the way. It's, uh, people forget that uh, a photo was taken right before this incident. Uh, and there's a picture of him with, uh, her name's Brittany uh, Comiso, a former aide to Mr. Cuomo, who is uh, the one who made the complaint. If you remember this one, I know there's a lot to remember because there were so many different complaints against Andrew Cuomo. But this particular one was the one where he went up her shirt uh, and uh, made a move on her and cupped, cupped her breast is the way that uh, she had put it for. This is uh, from the uh, statement uh, for, from the complaint, quote, for the purpose of degrading and gratifying his sexual desires, all contrary to the provision, provisions of the statute. Um, there, you see the report here. I mean, it uh, goes through um, uh, the entire uh, uh, situation and there are indications, you know, it depends on who you read here. I mean, some of the some of the reports are kind of just throwing this out there like it's not that big of a deal. It was initially reported that maybe it was an erroneous uh, uh, report that was uh, released. That apparently is not true. Uh, it did come out. Um, the New York Post, when they wrote about this, said that there's a chance that he could be arrested this week. Like within the next seven days, he could be arrested for this. Now, look. I think a big part of Andrew Cuomo stepping down from being governor was his belief that he was trying to avoid this uh, outcome. And he was trying to say, what if I, get, if I get out of people's faces, maybe there's a chance that I won't get punished in this way. But like, you know, it seems like the aide is, was pretty pissed about this. And, you know, the fact that he kept coming out over and over and over again and saying, look, I didn't do these things. These women aren't telling the truth seemed to kind of just generate more and more of them saying, okay, I wasn't going to say anything, but now that you're, 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 you're saying that we're lying, I got to come out and tell my story. 
And this one was probably the most damaging single incident that was reported because this was really like, this wasn't just comments. This wasn't him prying or trying to groom one of these younger women to hook up with. This was him actually, you know, violating her uh, personal space. This is the type of thing, as we said at the time, is a crime. Um, you know, obviously, you know, this is the type of thing you got to be sure of before you do. <laughs> I know. That's just a weird way to say it, but it's like, you know, you gotta kind of know, right? You gotta kind of know that you, you know, that you, you're, that it's 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 uh, it's wanted before you go for it, right? That's kind of the thing. That's kind of the way this works. I understand there's a bit of a dance here uh, to this, but when you're in your 60s and you got an aide in your government uh, housing in your 20s, probably not a great time to try it. Uh, you know, I gotta say, and uh, thankfully. Uh, this was actually reported, and and now we know about it. And Andrew Cuomo, I mean, look, do I think so? I don't know. I, I, I'm a, as you know, on this program, we've talked about Andrew Cuomo more than maybe anybody else. Long before his approval rating started tanking, we were out here saying he was doing a terrible job on COVID. And all these other things have come along and I think are a big part of the reason why he was removed from office, because Democrats could never say they got the COVID thing wrong. Right, they're never going to say that. They had to have another thing to say. And the Me Too thing served as that sort of vehicle for Democrats to be able to say, OK, this guy's a disaster. Here's our chance to get him out of here. We fought with him before anyway. Let's go for it. Um, but, in, you know, look, he still is not at all responsible for what he did when it came to putting people in nursing homes with COVID to infect other patients. We still are at that point where that has not been dealt with. And. Do I want a perp walk? Sure. Sure, I do. I mean, do I? Yes, I guess I do. In fact, I not only do I want a perp walk, I want a perp walk with the police officer, one hand on Cuomo and one hand carrying an Andrew Cuomo's awful mug. That's what I want, America. Will I get that? I don't know. But that's what I want. And if it happens... You you get in touch with me and you let me know what's happening because I need to see it not recorded. I need to see it live. I might charter a jet to fly up there just to watch it happen. You let me know, America. Back in a second. Oh, hello. Just enjoying a beverage out of my AndrewCuomoIsAwful.com mug. RealEstateAgentsITrust.com is the place to go. If, let's say, for example, you just got kicked out of a governor's mansion, you need to find somewhere to go. Maybe you're staying at, like, your ex-wife's house, or, like, maybe you're staying at one of the aides that didn't tell their story, and you're staying at their apartment somewhere right now. And you need to find a place to live before you have another place to live, which is also state-owned. That just happened to have bars on the windows. Realestateagentsitrust.com is a place to go where you can find nice housing until they take you off to prison. Realestateagentsitrust.com is a place that Glenn started a long time ago to make sure that we had a way to screen through real estate agents so you didn't get the Andrew Cuomo of real estate agents. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants an incompetent real estate agent that doesn't know what they're doing and is killing grandparents. Nobody wants that. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find that real estate agent who is not killing grandparents anywhere in America. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Do you ever get that sense that, that you, 
you're crazy. Like you're the only one out there and you're like, why is everyone else nuts? Like, why is Joe Biden still praised by every news source? Am I the only one out there? I mean, sure, you see an occasionally, you know, you see an occasional let's go Brandon sign. But I, I mean, are we really alone out there? I mean, polls are not showing that at all. I mean, polls are showing that we are not alone. In fact, people are moving our way in a pretty quick uh, in pretty quick fashion. Let me give you this. This is um, uh, the overall poll for um, uh, for Joe Biden in in, the, in February. He was at 57 percent approval overall in June. That was still at 56, still pretty much holding up. Now we're down to 42 percent. So 57 to 42 throughout his presidency. But the, the sign is much worse because you're not getting a lot of movement, of course, between Republicans and Democrats. Democrats started at 98 percent approval. They're now at 92 percent approval. You're not getting much movement there. You probably never will. And of course, Republicans very, very much did not like Joe Biden at the beginning and they don't like him now. Independence is where you see the real moving uh, going on. And let me give you this run. This is a this is not what you would call a path to success. For Joe Biden, start of his presidency, 61 percent of independents approved of Joe Biden. By June, that had dropped to 55 percent. By August, it had dropped to 43 percent. And now in October, latest Gallup poll, independents 34 percent approval for Joe Biden from 61 to 34 in his first year. That is catastrophic. I mean, you're supposed to have a little bit of a window uh, where people are like, all right, well, the election's over. Let's give him time. Let's see what he's doing. Well, they've seen it. That's the problem. They've taken time. They've looked at what he's doing and they're seeing what he's doing is terrible. What he do, what he does on a daily basis is awful. And now he's trying to spend all of this extra money. Um, so think about the next few months here. You've got increased inflation, most likely. That does not seem to have anywhere, anyway, anywhere close to stopping at this point. You've got potential um, uh, issues with the supply chain and Christmas presents right around the corner. Prices are going up. They're getting more expensive. Things are getting harder to find. Uh, can you imagine it going up from here? There's seemingly only bad news around the corner. And Joe Biden is already at 34% among independents. This is why they're terrified of this election in Virginia that's coming up next week. It's why uh, they're terrified to just jam this bill through, you know, which already, by the way, is now the reports that maybe they don't have a real deal here. Maybe this thing's falling apart. They want to get anything done because they know the news around the corner is bad. 2022, bad, bad for Democrats. They just got to jam it all in right now and hope you forget about it by election time. You can watch every episode of this show on YouTube. You can also listen to it on podcast wherever your podcasts happen to flow into your telephonic device. Um, Yesterday, we talked a little bit about baseball. And we kind of got to that point of like, well, why don't we just stay in our lanes a little bit? Like maybe... Baseball players should play baseball. Maybe politicians should do the politics. I don't know. And uh, I mentioned that I didn't want Chuck Schumer starting Game 7 of the World Series for me. Uh, You can comment on the show, though, as we do it. Uh, This one comes in. You sure you don't want Chuck Schumer pitching in Game 7? I hear he has a heck of a screwball. 
I mean, it, it is true. Uh, oh, yeah, five big freaking stars. And by the way, the five stars thing is important because that's usually in a podcast measure. You can rate the show five stars. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. You can do that on iTunes. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Uh, this one comes in and says, you made me laugh until I cried. Stu, I love your show and your sense of humor. Listening to you read that article about the woman getting the tattoo on her bum. Oh, gosh. Redone. That was a ridiculous story. And the tattoo artist smoking and everything going up in fire. Honest to goodness, I laughed so hard. Thank you so much for bringing that fun and joy into my home that day. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I don't think they did. Just saying. Did not seem like a pleasant experience. Remember, when you rate and review this program with five stars, it not only helps this program, but it hurts other podcasts, and that's the most important thing. I have inside information that New York police are monitoring the sales of Andrew Cuomo is awful mugs. And if we sell enough of them, they will arrest Andrew Cuomo in handcuffs and drag him out in front of the cameras. So go to AndrewCuomoIsAwful.com and support this very important, important goal. We'll see you tomorrow.